from the Temple. I'm Rabbi Peter Berg. And I'm Rabbi Lauren filson Lapitas. This episode is brought to you by the Temple, Atlanta's oldest and youngest synagogue. So, Peter, I've been thinking a lot about numbers. Numbers? Not the book of the Torah, but okay. actual... I say, we're not there yet. Nope, integers, um, amounts, arithmetic, <laughs> a, a real strong suit for rabbis. I say, math, math is not my thing because, you know, like if you said, how many people came to services tonight, mathematically, I would say, oh... About 300% more than we're actually there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like, um, you actually are one of the only people I know who uses um, gazillion on a regular basis. Do I? Well, it's part of your, Uh, your, like, just. Like, as in a gazillion people came to services Friday night? Yeah, you and I both know that's not true. <laughs> okay. uh, maybe on Zoom, but okay. but not in person. Well, so I've been thinking about about numbers. Okay. Because this is a milestone podcast. It is indeed. Can you believe this is episode 50? 50. 50 times we sat in front of these microphones or on Zoom. Or on Zoom and said what to, what what we had to say. I know, and we're still friends. What do, what do we have to say? I wonder. I, I think yes. today we're really wondering. <laughs> yes, but yes, yes, we are still friends, and we, we still, still have, have something to say, and we still have listeners. More than fifty. Yes, more than fifty. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, so I was actually thinking, as sort of an intro into our our fiftieth episode, to talk about what makes a number Jewish. Yeah. Because fifty is very round, it's very um, it's very clean. I like the number fifty, but it is not actually a Jewish number. Right. You know, j- numbers in Judaism, we first we take from from the Bible, where there are numerous occasions where numbers are repeated, and they seem to be more about the message the number is conveying than the actual number itself. Right. Like we mm-hmm. have uh, forty that's repeated a lot. For, right. It, it, uh, 40 days, 40 nights, right. 40 uh, years. 40 is a big one. Seven is a big one, right? Seven days of creation. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are certain numbers that sort of um, mean something big and significant is going to happen. But then there's another kind of Jewish number, which is gematria, the significance and value of Hebrew letters. Right. And so every Hebrew letter has a numeric value. So that's where we get the number 18, because that's chai, yud, chet. And so 18 and multiples of 18 are seen as um, good luck or or a, a good Jewish number as well. Yeah, sometimes it's sort of it's like a secret decoder language like there that every letter and every sentence uh, and every word has has a deeper meaning when you calculate its mathematic value. Did you have to explain to your children at their B'nai Mitzvah why checks were coming in multiples of 18? Yes. Because, um, I feel and, like that's when I learned it. Yes. And they're, you know, as with inflation, they're different from when I it was became bar mitzvah. <laughs> so the numbers are like weird, you know, <laughs> they're not normal numbers. Yeah, no, it's it's really worth, um, I, my favorite is 54 Yeah, because everyone forgets that one is actually uh, a multiple of 18. Yeah. And it's funny to explain it to someone who... It has never heard. They're like fifty four dollars. Like, yeah. wouldn't fifty make a little more sense? Right, right. No, it's it's definitely, um, you know, the idea of gematria. I always think back to um, Chaim Potok's The Chosen, where gematria yes. has its its own moments. But you know, this idea of we can find power in in using numbers when we're looking for it or when we want to find meaning in it. Yeah. 
And that's happening today because episode 50, we've decided, is going to be a big milestone. We probably should have done 54, yeah. but um, but 50 just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, we do. I mean, we do have a jubilee in the Bible, right? Um, and, yeah. of course, we, you know, fit, we celebrate a lot of milestone 50s here at the temple. We do. Um, so it, uh, it, it's a great number. It is. It is. I, I'm is turning it? 40 this year, so that's a very Jewish number. Um, but fortunately, it did not tie as close to um, the podcast numbers. But for you, I thought we would start, you know, this 50-themed episode. Um, you're our first interview because you celebrated a 50 milestone dun, this dun, year. Dun. So about a year ago, a year minus a day, um, you and David Spinrad um started your 50th year because he he turned 50 and then in may you turned 50 that's right and in between another rabbi who shall remain nameless also turned 50 that's right um and so when we had david on the podcast you you guys got a chance to sort of uh touch base about what it was like to be half a century and now you're half a year into it how does it feel that is a good question you know i i feel like i'm at this stage in my life where on the one hand, you feel you just you feel like you've you're still like young, right? You feel like um, nothing's changed. I'm the same rabbi I was when I you know first came out of school. And on the other hand, you realize like, wait a second, you've got a white beard. <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, it's not white. You're, you're not a... you're not the like cool youth rabbi anymore. And uh, um, of course, I love to do stuff with kids, but I'm you know like the. Um, you know, like I'm like on the other side a little bit of, of uh, and it's it, it's a little weird. Well, I think about, um, you know, when I stop and realize that I'm not fresh out of school, yeah. that I really have been here at the temple as long as I have. Yeah. I imagine 50 is sort of like looking and going, oh, wait, you know, it's passed by so quickly. I haven't realized how much time has passed. It is. It, it, that's so true. For the record, your beard is not white. I think the technical term for our listeners would be salt and pepper. Yeah. I'm wearing a mask now. So if I took it <laughs> off, you would say it's white. It's funny. The mask for, for graying beards is like the keepa yeah. for like the gray hair on top. Um, yeah. That's funny. I, we were debating in the car as a family yesterday whether I should like... To do a little bit of treatment to uh, make, oh. but I, but we decided not to. Well, I feel like early on in the podcast we talked about your wife cutting your hair. Yeah. So is this like a family dying party? Yeah, this was like a family discussion, and and everyone, literally everyone, said no. I was the only one who was like, maybe. <laughs> I think the challenge with that, though, is it would be very noticeable. You'd have to work it in very slowly. Like, you'd have to do low lights on your beard. <laughs> not, I just don't have so time for this. So that way no one would notice. I don't have time for this. <laughs> or you'd have to just shave it off and then yeah. and then start from it, it, whatever. It is interesting. Every, usually once during the summer when I'm away for, like, about 10 days or so and it, it has enough time to grow back, I shave it and show the kids and, and they just can't believe it. And I, I literally look like a teenager. <laughs> um, and, you know, the reason the beard started is twofold. One, Karen Karen liked it and, you know. The, her opinion matters. Her opinion matters. But as a young rabbi, having a beard, like really, you know, like they're like, who's this guy doing the bar mitzvah? Like, is this oh. his first one? Like, it really made me look a little older. But now you, you kind of don't need it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the feminine equivalent is. Yeah. Um, but I, I have sparkly hair. Yeah. So I don't know if that's giving me any gravitas. Yeah. 
Um, but I, I, uh, you know, I feel, I feel good. I, um, feel proud of what I've accomplished so far in my career, but I also, you know, recognize that I, I, I there's still a runway for me to do a lot more. And, mm. um, you know, it just, it, it does feel like, like, uh, a little bit of a midpoint. Yeah. Although technically the tradition says me live to 120. So yeah. 60 is going to be your midpoint. That's true. So what, um, if you could pick, uh, three places to go in the world before you turn 60, before you leave this decade. Oh, I want to go, I want to go to Iceland. Yeah. It's on our list. I too. want to do an African safari. Okay. And, uh, I don't know what I would do with my third one. I think I, but I, th- I think I'm going to say, I want to go to one of those, glass bottom homes in Tahiti. Interesting. And yeah, that was like a, you know, it's just too expensive. There's just like, there's really no way to do that. It's just. I I also have a lot of questions about a glass bottomed house. Yeah. It's super cool. You know, you like jump out the window and you're in the ocean and then, you know, I don't think I like the ocean. Look it up on the, it, it look, you'll want to do it when you see it. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll look into that. Okay. This is fun. Um, what is one thing that you've done for the first time since turning 50? One thing that, that you actually want to share on this podcast. One thing that I've done <laughs> the first time since I've turned 50. Um, I don't know that I can think of, you know, on the one hand, you don't sound like you do anything different. Oh, I think I know uh, one. Uh, yeah. You have done your first rapid test. Like think there were no rapid tests that's before true. you that's true. turned 50. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a small thing, but yes. I already did my colonoscopy, so we can't go there. That's great. Oh, you know what I haven't done yet, though? When you're 50, you're supposed to get the shingle shot, and I haven't done that yet. Oh, we should do that on air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you have to take, like, two days off after it. Uh, you could probably use two days off. In fact, I feel like <laughs> I listeners days here off, know. <laughs> <laughs> but I might, I might do it. Uh, uh, maybe I'll, I think you can combine it with the flu shot, so maybe I'll do that. And this is a good PSA. Everyone should get their flu shot because when you're over 50, you're at higher risk yes. for the flu. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is great. great. Flu, colonoscopy. Come on, bring it on. <laughs> I know. And next, maybe a COVID booster. I mean, that yeah. is that sounds awesome. Well, you've made 50 sound great. Um, and now we're going to turn on to our next segment. So this episode, of course, is on the number 50. And we've had a chance, Lauren, to talk about a lot of 50s. But we've got a really special 50 uh, joining us today, and it's not its not a birthday. Yeah, no, this one's a good one. Um, it's hard to imagine, actually, at this stage of our careers, what it might be like to achieve this milestone. It is. Um, it seems very distant. Uh, <laughs> I'm about, about halfway there, I think. Um, <laughs> way, way to do math, Rabbi. Okay, we should probably, I feel like we're torturing our guest of honor here by like making him wait, talk. Let, let's, let's bring him on. Uh, obviously, someone who needs absolutely zero introduction because his name is synonymous with the temple. He's our rabbi and our teacher. Uh, joining us for a special 50, we're going to find out what that 50 is in a minute, is are the one and only Rabbi Alvin Sugarman. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> one and only, yeah. You are the one and only. So, Alvin, tell us, this year was a very big um, professional milestone. So share with us what happened. Nothing. <laughs> because of the pandemic, I was looking forward 
to this huge banquet dancing girls and people coming out of cakes and, <laughs> and speeches and and uh, but i was <laughs> the, 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 good, the good news is i'm gonna jump out of a cake for you right right yeah <laughs> even better than dancing girls at my age anyway <laughs> uh it was not it was it was it be you know uh being able to say the blessings before the Torah, even on Zoom, was a wonderful way, in, in all seriousness, to mark my 50th because it was the Torah and everything the Torah stands for in Judaism that brought me uh, into the path of the rabbinate, you know, from having a completely different uh, career in the business world. So it, it, that was an important that was an important moment in my life. And the, the CCAR, which normally, you know, has recognizes the 50th, the Central Conference of American Rabbis at our annual convention, and as well as now or the retired rabbis, you know, it's everybody comes up and they hold you and they give a blessing. And, but this year it was all virtual and we shared it with a class of uh, 70 and uh, 71 together because of the um, of the pandemic. But those were special uh, moments. And uh, you know, compared to what other people have gone through and missed, you know, it's insignificant. But it is significant that at least we were able to connect through Zoom and the temple, uh, you, Rabbi Berg, and the staff. And, you know, I w was able to at least be there virtually. I have to, a question to share in that moment. So um, I've, I was ordained in 2008. Peter, you were ordained in 98. 98. There are times where it is impossible for me to believe that I have been a rabbi as long as I have, because it's still there's every day there's new challenges and there's new questions and things that I still have never you know experienced or wonder what to do. So you've been a rabbi 50 years. Like, do you ever stop and go, no, it can't have been 50 you know, do you still experience that sense of surprise or or do you truly know how to do it all already? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, in, in fact, you uh, what you said reminded me of the day of my ordination. When we walked down in Cincinnati, uh, we were ordained at Plum Street Temple, a beautiful historical building in Cincinnati for the reform movement. And I walked down the stairs, you know, at the end of the ordination service. And I said, oh, my gosh. I'm never going to a young physician because I don't know anything. You know? <laughs> I don't know anything. Here I was ordained and I didn't feel anything. And today, maybe I know a little something, but there's there are mountains yet to climb of uh, of what I don't know and what I'm learning, not only from uh, speaking from the perspective of looking at Judaism and what it offers and what it teaches, but also the human beings that we interact with. So they, their behavior, both good and not so good, never ceases to surprise me. Never, even I, to, to this very day. I agree with that. Sometimes someone says rabbi and I'm like, where? You know, I'm looking over my shoulder. <laughs> oh, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. When I got off the plane from my first student pulpit, I, I, I drew number one at the end of my first year. So I had a high holiday in Boca Raton, Florida. It's now like two congregations. One of them 
is way over uh, probably 15, 1600 members. And the guy that we got off the plane and Barbara and I, Laney was six months old and we heard somebody hollering, Rabbi, Rabbi. And I was looking around, who are they looking for? Is there a rabbi? <laughs> it's the same, same, it's the same thing. thing. So, so you had um, something unique, which is uh, uh, you had a dinner on the evening before your ordination and your class selected you as the speaker to sort of share some words of reminiscence and I imagine looking backwards and forward, uh, but you also got to do that, albeit by Zoom this year, to just uh, address your class on this big anniversary. Do you remember what you said then and, and now? The main memory I have was uh, an expression of gratitude to the faculty at HUC. It was an incredible experience. And I, I spoke about, I think, the unknown of what we were about to face and how each of us brought our unique talents and our, our unique perspective to the unique rabbinets that we were about to create. And what a joy it was to, uh, to begin that journey. Peter, what do you remember from your ordination? What do I remember? Uh, I'll tell you what I remember. They give up in New York, you know, each campus does it a little differently. They give out a prize every year. And, you know, it's to, it's to a big, um, you know, a big organization. And um, the, the recipient of the prize spoke for so long, I mean, <laughs> so long that the ordination speaker, who was the president of the college, got out, you know, there was no way he could give a speech. I mean, we had been sitting there for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and he just got up and said, dear class of 1998, my present to you is no speech. Mazel tov. And he sat down. <laughs> That's, That's a great story. <laughs> it's honest to God's true story. That was Dr. Gottschalk? No, uh, Zimmerman. What's funny oh, yeah. is yeah. when I think about, I mean, I had some nice memories from from ordination and I got to chant the priestly blessing because I was one of the Torah readers. But, you know, Micah and I both were last name Lapidus, but Lauren comes before Micah. And so I go up. I'm ordained by Rabbi Ellenson first. And then I sit down and Micah goes up and he's ordained and we sit down and I don't even remember which professor it was, but it, and I believe retired. And, and he taps Micah on the shoulder and he says, remember, she will always be the senior rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> Great line. That's excellent. If you could go back to a, a year in your rabbinate and give yourself advice, you know, with the knowledge of how it all played out, um, what's a moment you wish you could go back to and give yourself reassurance? Or advice, uh, reassurance, or change, or what? Or change, or wisdom, or it's an interesting question. I remember that when I was you're not even thinking seriously about becoming a rabbi, that the late Rabbi Lehrman, Richard Lehrman, who founded uh, Temple Sinai, was on our staff at Temple as an assistant, came to the temple the year we were married about three weeks and I remember sitting uh, in the in, in in the congregation with Barbara and saying gosh you know if he could do that maybe I could be a rabbi and the next thing I know we had him over for dinner uh, with uh, Floyd Herman who's Barbara's brother who was ordained the a previous year he was a chaplain then and the whole night I kept asking about what was it like to be a rabbi could you tell jokes? Can you, uh, you know, 
cut up, you know, because I tend to cut up a little bit. And they said, yeah, you know, you can just be yourself. And when we left uh, Jackson, Mississippi, to say goodbye to the family on the way up to Cincinnati to start, one of Barbara's uncles said, Alvin, whatever you do, don't change, just be yourself. So the advice that I would give myself when I would go back would be never to forget that. Always just simply. uh, We have a colleague whose name, of course, should remain unmentioned, who uh, had a, uh, let's say, it was a student pulpit in the South. And he was talking like the three of us. He was a normal human being, but he would, I mean, he spoke normally, but he would, at that time, it was the old Union prayer book. He would get up to the pulpit, and at the beginning of the service, this normal talking, conversation human being would go into the following mode. Shabbat shalom, all. We now turn in our prayer books to page 422. He would take on this completely different, I guess, rabbinic, what he thought was a rabbinic persona. But it would be simply just be yourself, you know, uh, just be let the human being inside of you be no different from the rabbi that you are, that they're 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 one in the same. What one time the kids that um, I was reprimanding our children for something and they said, Dad, you're using your Bema voice. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, maybe I got to work on the Bema voice. <laughs> so funny. You know, you've celebrated your, your 50th anniversary of your ordination. Um, what are you working on now? Um, <laughs> well, that's interesting. Uh, I don't know. You can, well, you can, uh, people might be able to see this. Bird by Bird by Annie Lamont. Oh, love Some instructions on that writing That book has been discussed before. Okay. So I read that every year. The minute we get out of this, I'm going back. Uh, to the book. You know, it's only been since 88 that I finished uh, the PhD, you know, work and my, turned in my dissertation and got the degree. So I've been working since then. It's a lot of years, 30 something years on this ridiculous book. I hope it's not ridiculous uh, if I live long enough to finish it. But that's the primary thing I'm working on. Although, uh, you know, I'm involved in our house, you know, which we the Genesis shelter merged with. And uh, because of my health problems, I guess people, you know, see me as a conduit. I'm on the board of MD Anderson. So I help a lot of more than way more than one person, you know, get connected to MD Anderson and or Emory because I'm on the board at Emory too. So, you know, that keeps me plenty busy. And just as you both know, you know, we still have congregants that uh, I work with y'all on who are going through whether it's a personal crisis or what. So, uh, you know, it's because you retire. In fact, uh, if there's anything I flunked at in life, it's retirement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have. I'm so busy on whether I'm coming or going. Well, I made a joke at services, actually, that you have the best service. Yeah, yeah, I know. In in the last 18 months, you've been to more services than anyone. Right. (laughs) well, uh, I think most rabbis uh, flunk in, in, in their retirement. I think that's a, a hazard of the profession. But as you, you may be right, as you reach this, you know, this 50th milestone, we want to say mazel tov and may you go from strength to strength. We cannot wait to read the book when it's done. Um, <laughs> Neither can I. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you just can't wait for it to be done. And, uh, you know, uh, just 
send you all the strength and love as you help the members of our congregation in their time of need and connect so many people uh, who would be lost without you, particularly with uh, connecting to medical institutions and all the good work you do with our house and so many other organizations. Uh, you have been such a blessing to our congregation over all these years and to us personally. And as you celebrate your 50th, we just want you to know that the whole Temple family and the city of Atlanta celebrates your 50th. Thank you. And I, I would not have been the rabbi without the temple being the unique, incredibly, as you both know, and incredibly wonderful institution that it is there. They are part of my bloodstream, part of the air that I breathe. So no matter how you slice it, 50 years is a really, really long time. It's hard to imagine what it must have been like, you know, to be a rabbi starting 50 years ago, to be here at Temple 50 years ago. I wonder what people will say 50 years from now. It'll be interesting. <laughs> We'll, we'll have to have a comparative podcast where we will not be here. Well, this was a milestone episode. 50, 50 episodes. We talked about the number 50. We talked about 50 years. Next, we're really going to go into the next 50 episodes and, and see what happens. It'll be interesting to reflect again at the next Jewish number. I don't know. Maybe it'll be 72. Absolutely. Or... And let's see after how many episodes until our podcast studio is ready for us. Ah, that'll definitely be the next milestone. But until the next 50. <laughs> yes, until the next 50. This has been the podcast from the temple. Where we inspire lives. And transform our world. shown on the screen or is it just a uh, audio podcast? Just audio. audio. That's what I thought. Okay. Okie doke. Um, Peter? So I can stick my tongue out anytime. Exactly.